G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Cindy McGarvey from Youth for Christ Australia. I'm curious to hear a bit about the amazing ministry of Youth for Christ, but I want to find out a bit of your story, Cindy. Tell us, where were you born and raised? Oh, hi, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised um, outside Kempsey in New South Wales, really? northern New, New South Wales. Yeah. yeah. So actually... Um, as a young uh, child, my father ran a dairy farm at a place called Nulla Nulla. Wow. Which is actually where Slim Dusty's from. There you go. Yeah. So, okay. and also, it's not far from a place which was um, very, it became very famous or infamous the yeah. pub with no beer. Oh, that's where that's where so you're it from. It wasn't at Nulla Nulla, yeah. but it was nearby. In that there. area. Well, yeah. I'm a Coffs Harbour boy, you know, so I grew up in. Northern New South Wales, there you go. We could have been neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did you have a religious upbringing at all? We were a strict Catholic family, mm-hmm. so we went to uh, Mass every single Sunday mm-hmm. and we had to regularly go to confession, went to a Catholic school, and we also said the rosary every single night. Wow, there you go. Very committed. Yes. And what about your teenage years? Did you have a, a faith as a young girl or did you kind of do the prodigal son thing and stray away from God? What was your, your teenage years like? Well, I think, I mean, to back up, when I was a little girl, I really, really loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the nuns used to come up um, because we lived out at Nulla Nulla. We went to a local school, which was called Bellbrook. And that's probably about 30, a 30 minute drive north, or I mm-hmm. can't remember now. I haven't been there so long. But it was this little school. Um, and so, but they had one little church which we went to, and the nuns would come up from Kempsey yeah. and teach us Sunday school. And I loved it. I loved all the songs that we sung. And I even remember my favourite song, which was God is Dwelling in My Heart. Beautiful. And um, I always used to th- sing this about God dwelling in my heart. Mm-hmm. But as I um, as I got older and um, we moved closer to Kempsey, we were still on property, um, and we as I got into my teenage years, I lost all that. Mm. And I just started, uh, you know, we were at a Catholic school and I just felt um, a lot of what teenagers go through, mm-hmm. uh, distanced. I thought there's a lot of hypocrisy, all of that sort of thing. So I, I drifted far, far away. And then you had a convergent experience at 20. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, I... I left school and I I always wanted adventure. You know, I was always out horse riding or doing all these uh, crazy things. I was very much into sport and 
all activity, all that sort of stuff. So I, um, I joined the army. I wanted to do nursing. And so I joined the army and did nursing through that avenue. Mm-hmm. And I ended up specializing in the operating theater, which I loved. Um, but so when I was in the army, I, I met my husband um, and we were dating and we were just, you know, obviously not following any Christian ways. And so I, I got to a point where I thought, hang on, I, I was really challenged about life because I thought, okay, here I am. I have a job that I like. I, you know, I have an interesting life. I have money. I have this man that I'm going to marry and I still feel completely empty. There's something missing in my life. And I thought, this, if, if this is all that life has to offer, um, well, then life pretty much sucks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay, I, and I had no peace. That was a big thing. I thought, I really need peace. And somehow I came across these people who um, actually they taught Raj Yoga and um, they seemed to be really, really peaceful. And in my search, I thought, oh, I need that sort of peace that they've got. And they said, oh, you know, we have classes, we have free classes. And so I went to this free class and um, there were other people in the class, probably about six of us, and we were all sitting there and they were teaching us different sort of techniques, but they were also telling us, I guess, a philosophy behind different things of why you don't have peace. And one of them was, uh, I remember this distinctly, was that um, if you don't have peace or if a baby enters the world screaming and crying, that means that they um, left the world in a very traumatic situation. And so I thought, oh, is this reincarnation? (laughs) And um, in my ignorance, I was really, really didn't know much. I said, are you teaching a religion or something? <laughs> and everyone else seemed to just absorb it. But I was like, hang on. What? There's something. And <laughs> they said, oh, what do you define as a religion? And that really, um, really affected me. And I said, well, it's it's some sort of belief system. And, yeah, I mean, it seems so silly in a way, you know, didn't you know anything? But um, I went away and it really just affected me in my thinking and I I thought it over and over again and I thought, yeah, that's a belief system and what do I really believe? And it was through that that um, which led to my conversion. I love conversion (laughs) stories. Bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. So I had a friend um, who was in the army and she, um, unfortunately, she got uh, very much involved in drinking and become an alcoholic through through her experience, and so she um, she got distu- discharged from the army because of that. She wasn't able to turn up to work on time, and there was a whole lot of other things that happened around that. And so I um, I, I was friends with her and hadn't heard from her for months. And um, one day I received a letter from her, and she said, "Look, I've." Um, I've cleaned up my life. I'm now a born-again Christian. Um, and she told a bit of a story about these people from um, Drug Arm who had helped her when she was at her lowest point. And, um, and through that, she became a Christian. And she was concerned about me because she thought I was a good girl and I, you know, I'd go off to the Catholic Church and all that sort of thing. But she knew I didn't really have it. I was just, I was, she knew me in my searching stage. And so um, 
I was really intrigued with this, you know, when I was engaged to be married and I thought, what could happen to a person to make them be so transformed? But, you know, first of all, I wanted to see if she was real. So um, she had invited me to a barbecue and I didn't know it was a barbecue um, with drug arm. And um, so they had people there who had um, come out of uh, drug addiction and alcoholism and all sorts of things like that. And so she said, come to this barbecue and I'll meet up with you and all that sort of thing. And um, so I came along and saw her and I just thought, wow, she's really changed. There's something about her face and she looks good because she was in a really bad state the last time I saw her. And so I was asking her all these questions and thought, oh, wow, that's amazing. But the first person I saw when I walked into this this place was a man called Duncan. And... Um, he was probably in his 40s and he probably looked a fair bit older than that. It was a beautiful man. And um, because I didn't know where I was and because I was raised with Slim Dusty, <laughs> my father actually was a country western singer. Really? You know, yeah, he used to go and sing at parties. And so I was raised with all that sort of music. <laughs> yeah, it's something you don't tell many people, those things. <laughs> um, and so... He said, oh, you know, you know, he said his name was Duncan. And I said, oh, I'll have to have a beer with you sometime. <laughs> and um, not, I didn't really drink beer. I don't really like beer. But uh, he just sort of laughed and whatever. Later, in the, um, after we, we ate and everyone sat down, he got up and shared his life story. Yeah. S- shared his testimony and about how alcohol had destroyed his life. And the whole time I was... I was really impacted by his story, but all the time I was thinking, what could be the worst thing you could say to someone when you meet them <laughs> with a name called Duncan who had, who was a recovered or recovering alcoholic? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I went over to him afterwards and I said to him, look, I really apologise for what I said to you. And I found out that um, he had said that, um, I don't know if he told me later, that um, through that Slim Dusty song, that um, worsened his situation. You know, everyone wanted oh, to have yeah. a beer with him. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, oh, yeah, no, that's okay. And he was just such a beautiful person. And he said, um, do you mind if I pray for you? And I thought, oh, my goodness, all these people around. <laughs> and what is this praying for someone in public? And I was sitting down on a stool talking to him. And I said, oh, okay, I didn't want to offend him twice. And he was standing over me and he prayed for me. And he wept over me and his oh. tears fell on my head. Oh, beautiful. And <laughs> and the next day they said, oh, do you want to go to church? And I thought, oh, no. You know, but I was working shift work and I couldn't get out of it. And I thought, what have I got myself into? But it was, they took me to church the next day and um, I heard the gospel and mm. I was, that was my that conversion. That was it? Yeah. Wonderful. What a great testimony. And uh, tell us a bit about your faith journey after that. Um, you, you were engaged to yeah. Rod at the time. Well, how did that affect your relationship with Rod? Yeah, well, that's another story because he um, he was pretty much anti-God, mm-hmm. atheist. And so then he has a girlfriend who gets radically converted. And I wasn't just like, oh, yeah, you know, I was absolutely turned around. 360 degrees. And I was so excited about about my faith. Um, I mean, and I guess when I went into that church service where I got converted, um, I was used to going into a church service that was really 
solemn and sombre. Mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me was people were happy. And, of course, I was looking for peace but also happiness. And so I couldn't believe these people were actually happy and they love God and they weren't ashamed to show their love for God. Mm-hmm. And so when I was converted, I guess I was just so happy that God loved me and accepted me even it, regardless of all the things that I'd done before. Mm. And um, and I was a new creation and all that sort of thing. So that no doubt created some conflict with us within our relationship. Things had to change. And um, he he just thought, you know, he's lost. She's gone. She's gone crazy mm. and he's lost her. So um, we were to be married. That was probably about a year before we were married. Mm-hmm. And so... I had to do a lot of soul searching and thinking, you know, am I going to marry this guy who's not a Christian? At first I did totally didn't understand it. And but as I learned more about my Christian faith and things like that and learned about the Bible, you know, don't be unequally yoked and all those sort of things, I started really getting worried because I I really loved him. So I, I put some boundaries in place and I just thought, okay, if he leaves me, um, well then you know, it's not meant to be, but I have to live um, in the way that God has called me to live. Yeah, good. And so um, he seemed to stick around, even with those boundaries. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. <laughs> uh, I he also, thought you were a good catch, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but also I, um, I, I I saw my pastor and got advice and counsel from my pastor, and, and it was good advice. You know, you have to think very carefully about mm. this because this is the situation. And so... I prayed and prayed and prayed about it, and it was a really, really difficult decision, and I wouldn't recommend that for people um, in generally. Mm-hmm. But um, I came to a point where I really did find a peace about it, and so, yeah, so I married a man who was not a believer. Mm-hmm. And how many years did it take until he came to Christ? It was only about a year. Only a year. Oh, that's that's not too bad. Then. He was on a journey himself. Yeah, yeah he was and, on his way. <laughs> yeah, he was on his way. So what happened was, you know, as I said, we were both in the army. Mm-hmm. So he was in field engineers. Okay. And he went to Namibia, which is northwest Africa. Africa, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. on the peacekeeping force. Mm-hmm. So his specialty was all those landmines and wow. all those sort of things. Whew. So... Um, I was always open about my faith, and he he was happy that I went to church and all that, but he could not deny that I was a better person mm. for the Christian influence in my life. Awesome. To the point where he became very annoying. Like if I had a bad day, he would say, have you had your quiet time this morning? <laughs> and that was just really, really oh, bad. I, love it. I would get really angry. That is wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought about leaving notes around the house like turn or burn or a few things like that, but I I didn't end up doing it. Yeah, yeah. And so it was it was hard um, being married to uh, a man who wasn't a believer, and he he would say he tells me all these stories like, I um you used to have your Christian friends over, and um. I'd go, you know, I'd be watching TV or doing something. Um, he was away nine months a year, by mm. the way, so he was always away with the army. But um, he he said I'd, you know, be back relaxing and you'd be there in the kitchen with your Christian friends and you'd be yap, 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 talking really excitedly. <laughs> and he said I'd go and watch a movie for an hour or so and I'd come back and you were talking about exactly the same subject, which wow. was God. Wow, isn't that and great? And he, he just thought, haven't they got anything else to talk about? <laughs> oh, so, so good. Um, yeah, so he's got all these really 
funny stories about um, the oh, – it was just such enthusiastic faith. Mm. And he even allowed me to tithe – um, all of those things, I, I brought it to him. I, th- I said, I want to give money to the church. You know, I want mm-hmm. to tithe. And so um, he was really against it. Um, but uh, he, he went away. He, I remember we had this really tense discussion and he went away and thought about it because his last words was, no, you can't. And then he came back and he said, all right, you can give this much. And so, um, and it was funny because uh, we were going to Northside Christian Church at mm-hmm. that time, or oh, I was. That Pastor was, John Lewis? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Lewis, um, and he's such a great pastor, but he said, um, when I told him the story about my husband, you know, you know what he said about giving, he said, it won't be long before that man is in the kingdom of God because where your money, where your treasure is there. there you are, yes. Oh, good. And it was just an amazing story Isn't because that great? later, a year or so later, when um, Rod was converted, he went to India with John Lewis mm-hmm. and different places, Thailand and whatever. So, um, Well, it's a great story of coming mm, to faith for both of you. And, of yeah. course, Rod has been well known over the years for being involved in politics mm. uh, with the LNP yes. and with Family First. Yes. And he's uh, been quite active in the political sphere, speaking up for family values, which is so yes. important. And you've been now uh, leading Youth for Christ in Australia. How many years have you been a part of Youth uh, for Christ? Just on three years Three now. years now. What a great organisation. Uh, it's a great testimony. I know there was a lot in between, uh, but we do have to wrap it up. What a great story of what God has done in both of your lives. Uh, I reckon you're a history maker, Cindy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. History makers. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.